Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm the Gnarly Gnome. This is Cincy Brewcast. It's the voice of Cincy Craft coming back from uh, an unintentional break, an unintentional vacation. Again, not a vacation. It's nothing vacation about it. It seems like this time of year, uh, not only are there plenty of events and things happening, uh, it seems like my kids won't stop getting sick. Uh, even this weekend, my my oldest uh, woke up with, I think, another ear infection. She's at the doctor right now. So it's just everything, just one thing after the other. It's been chaotic as you guys know it always is but um actually i believe the last show that we recorded if my math is correct which it's possible that it's not was uh oktoberfest quest finals here at madry now we're recording here at madry and i believe probably in the next month or or so we'll be back to madry to talk about uh some of the fun sustainability things that are happening here um and that'll probably be a bigger show too we'll we'll talk about that when it comes around right now we're talking about the the big news that is kind of uh you know what it's i think it's caught a lot of people off guard and a lot of other people not a surprise at all it makes perfect sense we're talking about this uh this shift in the uh the food program here at madry uh sitting down with brock how do you pronounce your last name is it mcmorin mcmorin yep you are what let me see if i get this right the director of hospitality operations you nailed it that's yep. a that's a heck of a title <laughs> and, and and the title itself kind of gives a kind of a bigger picture of how how this side of the business is shifting and evolving and changing as everything with Madtree always has. You guys uh, have um, been kind of at the forefront of all of these changes that have happened in craft beer from, from day one when tap rooms were actually legal to have. Mm -hmm. And I think that the business plan shifted in the middle of kind of preparing to open Madtree to now food programs to uh, all of the other pieces, cocktails and all of this stuff that kind of fits into what it means to run a brewery. That's a that's a lot. That's a big intro there. <laughs> tell, tell me about tell me what your role is here at Madry right now. <laughs> yeah. So as it lives right now, uh, essentially, I'm responsible uh, for overseeing uh, all of our revenue streams outside of our sales and distro channel. So right now, that really uh, is our restaurant downtown, Elkhove Kitchen Bar, uh, as well as our tap room uh, here in Oakley and our private events team in both those spaces. So really this shift for us uh, from kind of this like brewing company to really a hospitality company. Well, and that, that shift kind of kind of rocks back and forth too as the industry keeps changing and evolving and people can't quite figure out what it looks like. And, and I, it's got to be a hard thing for a company to kind of manage when um, the industry itself still doesn't really understand what it is yet. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's uh, I think really for us, it's all about listening to the consumer, right? So, uh, you know, you see it here in our Oakley Tap Room is... Uh, consistently see more and more women in the space. Right. Uh, we see more and more women asking for wine in the space. Uh, we consistently different see different groups of people in the space, uh, whether that's folks with kids, whether that's people having birthday parties, business meetings, whatever it is. Uh, so really trying to be the consumer where they're at in all of our spaces. And one of the ways that we do that is through our product offering, right? Let's talk about the food. Let's jump right into it. So uh, you guys have a food partner right now uh, that you've had since almost day one. Yeah. 2013, mm -hmm. they came on board. Uh, pizza, wood-fired pizza. Uh, everybody fell in love with uh, with Catch a Fire. We'll, we'll go ahead and throw them. Great company, great, a great product that yeah. they make. Mm -hmm. They've continued to grow and evolve as that, that relationship started. As Madtree keeps growing and evolving, um, it, the split is happening at the start of next year. Mm -hmm. um, they have multiple kind of uh, brick and mortar locations. They just announced they're going to head into uh, to Westside with a uh, um, a kitchen out there, which I think is going to be great for the people out there at Westside. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, so food program started when, when Alcove opened up and Madri runs all of the, the food there. Um, how did that evolution from that decision, as much as you can kind of kind of kind of show us that how it evolved yeah. uh, from day one opening that to, oh, okay, we should probably uh, think about kind of uh, shifting the way things look here. Uh, um, at 2.0, and then maybe in the future for Parks and Rec or uh, however that, that kind of starts looking. Yeah, it's all about the big picture, right? So uh, really, we had the opportunity to really uh, kind of build uh, our food muscle with the opening of Alcove. Uh, so now that we're going on about uh, uh, just over a year and a half, two years uh, in that space, uh, we felt that we're, we're prepared to do that. So whether it's myself or we also brought in uh, one of our uh, vice presidents, his whole background was in restaurants also. Um, so really building that into like, what, what does hospitality look like? How do we take this to the next level? How do we have these big spaces that feel warm and welcoming or able to exceed expectations for our guests uh, and just really create uh, experience that people want to share, right? Right. Um, you know, so as we were kind of working out kinks through Alcove, right, we really had to uh, kind of lean into the identity of that space. And for those who followed that space, uh, that menu has changed quite a bit, right? Uh, so originally kind of started as this uh, like really foodie, super unique ingredients. Um, we realized like that just wasn't, we weren't doing it great. Uh, it's not what the guests really wanted. Uh, so we've kind of pivoted, uh, you know, several times to understand uh, what's going to make us successful in that space. And again, we do that through what the consumer is telling us. Uh, so really how that translates here is uh, we had this opportunity, right? Catch a fire, uh, great partners over the past really 10 years. Uh, their lease was coming up and the space here at 2.0. Uh, we're like, hmm, I think we could figure out how to do that, right? Like, I think we could figure out how to create a consistent experience for our guests, how we can really deliver on, we call them our points of differentiation, uh, and how we can really like grow the impact that we have as an organization as well. So uh, we intend to add about 50 heads, uh, 40 to 50 heads uh, in that space. Uh, and if you take that kind of with our uh, approach, called give a fuck hours, right? Right. Uh, and the impact that we're able to have uh, out in the community uh, with those additional heads in our space, uh, we think it's gonna be pretty incredible. Of course, there's the business upside to it too. So. <laughs> right, but it's like, it's gotta be difficult. Like, you know, the, the, the beer side of Mad Tree, it doesn't matter what space opens up. Uh, the beer is probably gonna feel pretty much the so people come in there and they expect Mad Tree, they expect the beer that they, that they've come to love here to be mm-hmm. in all these different spaces, maybe some different names and some different kind of uh, uh, some imaging around that beer. But, you know, the beer itself is what it is when it comes to food. Like people are going to want these very different types of experiences. The food that they're getting at Alcove is not going to be what they expect to get here in the tap room. Mm-hmm. Uh on top of that, people are still going to expect the same kind of things that they got from Catch a Fire for, yep. for at least a very long period before <laughs> they start to, to maybe expect something different. But mm-hmm. uh, how do you kind of handle that uh, that, that that difference between kind of this, this beer side? Not that the beer side is easy, um, but the expectations are there and people kind of know what Mad Tree is. How do you kind of play that with food and how do you kind of balance that out? Yeah, you, I think it's a great question. Really what comes to my head is uh, we kind of have this like phrase here, it's craft to exceed, right? Uh, so like how do we craft a menu uh, to really exceed expectations? And right. really when we were talking about taking over the space and what the menu is going to look like and what's the consumer reaction to it going to be and how are we going to execute? Uh, we really had to uh, kind of stack ourselves against what Catcher Fire is currently doing, right? They have a great product. People have their favorites. Uh, they have a pretty good following. Uh, and I think uh, obviously that shows through uh, their other brick and mortar locations as well. 
Um, so to not throw people off, we really want to continue to lean into the pizza side of it. And I think you're seeing uh, other concepts do that, whether it's kind of like the Dewey's Braxton matchup, right? Sure. Uh, kind of comes to my mind. So uh, it's just something that goes hand in hand. So when we were really building this menu, we really looked at our uh, space and we're like, what do people want when they come here? We looked at, again, they've been great partners. We look at Catch a Fire's product mix. What's selling really well for them? Right. What are things that people are asking for? Um, and really design the menu off of that. So it's really focused on uh, like expediency and things being shareable. So when we did the uh, like build out design, it was really about how can we get stuff out of this kitchen at a high quality and at a high pace, uh, and how do we make it shareable for everybody, right? You know, anybody who's ever been here on you know Friday night, a Saturday night, you know that it gets a little busy here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> so mm-hmm. like again, that 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 food side of it has to feel the same way the beer does, where you're walking up to the bar, you're getting it fast, you're headed back to your seat. Um, with that being said, this is, uh, you know, not that Alcove is a, a brew pub because it's, it's, it's not, it's definitely a bar restaurant. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, the food and the drink is very tied into each other. Whereas a place like, like this tap room, like it's, they're both here, but they're not part of the same thing. Like it's, it's definitely not a brew pub. You're not coming down and sitting at your table and (laughs) your napkin on your lap. And (laughs) like, it's, it's, it's a brewery, uh, how do you how do you play those two different personalities and how do you kind of as as a company uh handle those two different personalities yeah i think um really comes down to this the service model i think in my mind uh right alcove is very much the uh like go sit down you have your cloth napkin and you know full service <laughs> extensive wine list kind of place uh here we just want to again kind of keep it simple uh, so again, I think the way that we did that was through the menu design uh, itself, right? So uh, how do we create food? Um, I think I've used the word shareable like 20 times already, <laughs> uh, but really, like how do we uh, how do we create food um, that? Uh, I totally just lost my train of thought. I mean, the the culture of kind of spending time in a tap room uh not that some of us don't come here and hang out by ourselves and sit at the bar and like uh, that's okay <laughs> but but it's a very it's a very communal type of uh experience you come and you sit with your friends you sit around a big table you all sit and you laugh and you you you, you talk together and the food has to kind of uh mirror that too and that experience whereas uh alcove is a little different you you come and not that you're not with people but it's it's more kind of one-on-one intimate kind of sure. sitting and kind of having having a a, a meal almost yeah it, it jumped back in my mind uh i think here it's uh like when i when i say pizza and i talk to you about your favorite pizza for example like there's probably a pizza that you had growing up or a place oh, yeah. that you it's like. It's called Fat Jacks in Lima, Ohio. Yeah. Mine <laughs> is Gal- to Fat Jacks. Gallagher's Pizza in Green Bay, Wisconsin. <laughs> so, uh, like, we all have that, like, one thing. So, uh, it's uh, how do we create, um, again, kind of this, like, nostalgic feeling around that specific item? Yeah. Uh, I think you can say the same thing, uh, or you can't say the same thing about necessarily the food at Elcove, right? Sure. Uh, and you can't say the same thing about, I don't know, your favorite chicken dish or whatever it is. Uh, but, like, when you say pizza to people, uh, I think it evokes this. Um, really nostalgic feeling. So, sure. uh, so how do we, again, kind of capture that was really the question that uh, we had for our team. So uh, really the food model uh, was, it's got to be like approachable. It's got to be easy. It's got to be fast, right? So what about, uh, and, and we're making a lot of assumptions here, uh, when Blue Ash opens up, the uh, the next Mad Tree project that uh, is still a ways off for any, before I get any kind of emails of people <laughs> asking me, oh, when's that open? It's still a ways off, so hold tight. But how does, how does 
all of these these ideas, how does that then shape the next kind of food program where it's really from the ground up of, mm-hmm. you know, kind of you get to design uh, the space, you get to design the experience all around all of it together. How does how does that start to, to look? Yeah, we're really excited. I, I think I already said, like, uh, build the muscle. So really, this kitchen here at 2.0 is an opportunity for us really to learn about what's going to be happening at Parks and Rec. So uh, the idea is generally copy paste with uh, a couple different uh, ads. I think the space will feel totally different in terms of, uh, you know, what seating and what right. the outdoor spaces look like. Uh, but generally, the food concept, we'd like to essentially keep the same. So uh, I think uh, up in Blue Ash, that's going to lend itself more to, you know, we've thrown out ideas like, should we have like to go picnic baskets? Should we have uh, like that space right now in the current design plans has a little carryout window on the outside, things like that. So uh, so I think we've got to do a lot of learning here right. uh, that will translate uh, up to Blue Ash. It'll it'll be exciting to see too how how the customer what they expect when they walk into a place like like this versus a place like Blue Ash where it's it's very outdoor centric. There's the park there. There's lots more walking around. It's in the middle of the Dora, so you yep. know, people are coming and going, and like it's it'll be fun to kind of watch how that changes both the food and kind of the magic experience there. It's, mm-hmm. I, I love stuff like that. I love watching that evolution, watching those changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be neat. Uh, I didn't even talk about what I'm drinking, and you guys know that that's an important part of a uh, craft beer podcast from the beer fridge. Uh, drinking Safety Falcon. Anybody that knows me should have guessed that's probably what I'm drinking. It's a uh, Mexican lager, dark Mexican lager. Um, sweet, uh, crispy still. Um, serve it with a lime. I always take a couple drinks with the lime and then kick the lime out because <laughs> gets in the way of the beer for me love the beer um if anybody hasn't tried it come up to Madrid and try safety falcon it's a beer that kind of is designed in my opinion to go with food and uh as breweries do kind of bring on their own food programs i think it enables some of those ties to get a little closer together um what are some of the ways that maybe the beer and the food can influence each other once you guys have kind of control over both of those the sides. Yeah, well, first of all, uh, I'm glad you love Safety Falcon. That's my favorite beer, also. That's awesome, that we do. So uh, I keep joking with the team that we need like a like a like a Birds of Prey uh, kind of thing. But then uh, somebody else did that already, I think. So <laughs> um, so we shied away from that one. Uh, so how does beer tie into the food? Uh, we looked at a lot of ideas. We looked at using some of our spent grain uh, in the dough. Uh, I figured out that that probably wasn't going to be very feasible uh, to execute. We looked if we could hydrate the dough using happy amber or something like that. Uh, Again, uh, it could be done on specialty, something specialty that we're doing. Uh, But I think the other way that we see it doing is uh, using it in more simple ways, like in sauces and things like that. So, uh, right, Catch a Fire kind of has a happy amber barbecue sauce right now. I can guarantee you our barbecue sauce will have one of our beers (laughs) in it, right? Uh, We looked at doing uh, different beer cheeses, different quesos and things like that. So I love when I walk into a place, either, you know, a brewery that has food or even a restaurant that's doing it really well, where you you order something off the menu and, you know, there's something that says, hey, you know, you you should probably try this with this beer or vice versa. If you're ordering something there, I'm like, look. Yeah, this beer was we we made this beer to go with nachos. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you know, and they're like, oh, that does sound really good with that. Like, I'm, I'm gonna go try that. And mm-hmm. when you get one of those pairings or something that that just click perfectly, uh, it changes kind of your perception of both of those things and kind of sends you down little rabbit holes off of that. It's, uh, there's there's a lot of potential there for for stuff that can kind of um, bring that relationship of the two together. Yeah, I think we'll do uh, definitely some type of like seasonal rotational menus as well. Uh, and then again, on some of the menu designs that we've worked on right now, uh, it's, it does have that kind of like would pair well with like right. chef's suggestion <laughs> is, right? Uh, whatever the kind of cheeky language that we choose to use. Right. Uh, yeah, that'll definitely be a part of part of things. 
for anybody who uh, is is not familiar with Madry, which I, I have a hard time believing anybody listening to the show is not familiar with Madry, uh, this is a very, um, we'll call it a family-friendly space uh, for good and bad. There are lots of people that this that's why they fall in love with this. It's uh, extremely family-friendly, um, especially when you get here in the evenings and the weekends. <laughs> Other people, it's not what they like about it at all. <laughs> but talk about kind of how the, uh, the, the family side of stuff starts to influence the food side too. Um, we've all been to plenty of places, and I would say Alcove is probably one of those places. I haven't been there for a while, so maybe the f- menu is a little more kid friendly. My kids aren't eating there. My mm-hmm. kids, my kids are straight up nuggets and uh, <laughs> you know, very, very simple eaters right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Uh, how does the amount of families that call this their their third spot mm-hmm. um, change? Kind of how you how you direct what's happening over there? Yeah, I think uh, one of the ideas overall was like, how do we create an inclusive space? Um, so whether that's things like ADA height counters and things like that, uh, something that we've definitely focused on. But uh, yeah, whether we like it or not, families are a part uh, of this facility, right? Right. Uh, so I feel it just as much as you, in both the good <laughs> and the bad ways. Uh, but you know, like we got the kiddos, we love the kiddos. Uh, we got you know the avid beer drinkers who want to sit at the end of the bar and we love them too so um yeah i think uh, again kind of from the menu planning piece of it uh we knew that that was going to be a, a big piece of it so uh, how do we make it friendly uh how do we include uh get alcove on the muscles that we have right now i think is uh, our ability to cater to allergies and things like that right. um so yeah so i think these entire groups of people uh really kind of start uh when you're planning the menu really start kind of falling together uh, so yes, there will be a, a kids menu. I don't think it's going to be anything like super shocking for, right. for essentially a pizza concept, right? Uh, we'll definitely have some stuff for, for pizza. Pizza lends itself to being kid friendly already, yeah, yeah, except, yeah. except for my youngest, for who for some reason has decided he doesn't like pizza, which I can't understand. Well, uh, chicken chicken nuggets then. Right? There we go. So. He will he will definitely have some chicken nuggets. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think we definitely captured uh, a part of that, but we also want to have uh, kind of those unique instances and those unique items, uh, you know, for the couple that's sitting at the end of the bar for. You know, the little business dinner that might be happening out in the patio, something right. like that too. How far do you uh, how far do you push on day one from the familiar concept that people are aware of with other menu items versus how long do you kind of wait and see how some of that evolves and, and how far you can push people with their comfort on some stuff? Yeah, uh, I think that's a great question. Uh, I think we'll find out. So um, actually, our kitchen manager, his name's Carter. Uh, uh, he actually started a little bit early, so he's actually on board with us right now. Uh, and as we're, again, kind of building those menus, he's throwing out some pretty wild things. Uh, and we, we call them like beverage statements, culinary statements, things like that uh, across our spaces. Uh, so we always have something that we want to point back to, right? So right. it's like, hey, like, does that fit? Uh, and like as part of that culinary statement, there is a. Sometimes that's hard for food people because they get really excited about something that's in their head, and it's like, oh, no, you know, we're we're a pizza place. We got. It. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but I want to do this. Uh, you know. Yeah, we're talking like Korean bulgogi pizza, yeah. or you know, like that, a Euro French great. fry pizza. Yeah, so all all good ideas. Uh, we just got to kind of flush them out and see what happens. So, uh, luckily, we have a space where uh, we can kind of test those, right? So we can run them for. A week or two, see how they perform, and then go from there, right? Right. Uh, let's talk about time frame. If you guys are ready to talk about time frame, we know that uh, as of the start of the year, uh, Catch a Fire is going to be leaving. Uh, you guys will not be ready right then. There is going to be some kind of changes happening back there. Um, you guys will have food trucks for a while. What's that time frame that you guys are thinking right now of uh, when you'll be able to have your own program up and running? Or yeah. is that is that even, do you want to talk about times? I no, mean, we can talk. <laughs> I'm excited to talk about it because I want to get it open. Just, uh, just put an ish in the, <laughs> the bottom of everything you say. Yeah, right now, uh, it should definitely be by the start of April. Okay. Um, it should be closer to mid-March. Uh, that's kind of what we're anticipating. So 
going back to the food trucks, the food truck partners that you guys will be working with in that kind of uh, those those few months in the in the meantime, is it going to be kind of the same rotating trucks? Um, you say you know here's who's going to be here on every Friday, who's here, who's going to be here on every Saturday. Um, yeah, it's generally going to be the same too the entire time. So uh, Red Sesame. Uh, who's won like the best food truck in Cincinnati? Like, right. I don't know, like six or seven times, something like that. Mm. Uh, and then also uh, sweets, meats, and treats. Awesome. Um, we'll also be out there. Who we've done a ton of work with them in the past as well. Are they going to be here seven days a week? Yes. Yep. Okay. So, so you won't have to worry about not being able to eat when you're at Madrid. <laughs> that's correct. We, we, we've got the food covered. So, what are uh, are they going to be here all day? Uh, so kind of same hours as Catch a Fire has been open, or is it going to be a little bit later? Uh, I'll have to get you the schedule, and I can send right. it to you. But uh, yeah, generally, like uh, as like we're required to have food uh, for our liquor license, so right. uh, they essentially that's have true. to be here I didn't the even entire think about time. That. So that uh, yeah, that's that that well, I didn't that didn't even cross my <laughs> mind when I was like kind of looking at all of this stuff happening. Yeah, that's... yeah we'll have covers. So <laughs> there at the very least be uh, be something here. So and they'll be uh, out kind of like in the. Uh, parking lot side of things, so right. main parking lot side. Um, that's interesting too. Instead of out in the uh, the beer garden, well, I guess it's winter time too. It's going to be cold. Yeah, uh, yeah. We want to make them a little bit more focal. around the tent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, is there anything that you kind of, you, you want people to know that you think that they don't know that you've kind of been looking at what people are saying because this is one of those things that everybody's loving to talk about and like it's you get these very strong opinions about about Madry um, just because you guys have been part of this game for for, for so long um, is there anything you want people to know that you think that they are uh, either ill-informed about or <laughs> mm, I don't know about ill-informed uh, one of the things that I think uh, I, I don't know if battle against is uh, something that maybe something that we just have to deal with we come across quite a few times is uh, I think it's probably about a 50-50 split of whether people even realize we're separate companies right now. Right. right. Oh, no, I've I've talked to people that I very much trust their opinion that have sworn to me that, no, no, when they moved to 2.0, Madri bought Catch a Fire. I'm like, that's just not <laughs> true. <laughs> You're like, I disagree. Um, yeah. So uh, one, like sometimes that really works to our favor, right? Like Catch a Fire generally uh, great, great reviews, right? So uh, when, when they're winning, we're winning. When mm. we're winning, they're winning, right? Uh, and then there's the times where uh, it, it kind of goes against us, right? Uh, sure. So like if, if someone has a bad experience at Matry, they have a bad experience at Catch a Fire and vice versa, right? So um, I think one of the big things is we really want people to know that it's us. Uh, we want them to know that it's about quality, just like the beer that they've been drinking for the past 10 years. Uh, and uh, that really for us, we like we want to make it about speed. We want to get, get food in your, your hands fast. When it's not, I think for me, and this is not a dig at anybody in particular, but there are some breweries that have uh, food programs, even their own food programs, that just don't care about the food program. It's just, we, well, yeah, we have to have it. You know, mm -hmm. we wanted cocktails or um, people were asking for food, so we put it in here. Uh, versus places like Madri and, and, and others that uh, really take it to heart that, you know, people are coming in here, they come to expect a certain thing. You know, they expect good product, they expect good service, they expect, you know, something that feels good. And I, I think Madri is one of those companies that has uh, done it right with Alcove, taken it very seriously and and believed in the food. And I I think, and we'll see, you guys may prove me wrong, but <laughs> I, 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 think, I think it'll be the same here where the pride that obviously has been taken with everything that is up there on that board from beer all the way down to cocktails and mm -hmm. wine um that you guys take it to heart it's it's part of what makes this place what it is and uh the food there's no reason why you guys won't uh take it the same way so yeah uh people come here for it right uh you know i think 
you know, wherever it may be. Again, not focused at anybody specifically, but kind of seems like an afterthought, right? Right. Uh, or it's kind of ancillary or secondary to everything else, right? Like like beer and cocktails and wine, like reign supreme. Like right. that's what they're really here for. Uh, I think we're trying to flip that a little bit where it's like, Hey, like the food is food is just as important as these other pieces. It's it's interesting to me because especially with a place that is family, super family friendly like this, I think that you know if you get a family of four, it's you know mom and dad and a couple kids and they're coming here. Uh, for the kids, it's not it's not about the beer at all. Right. <laughs> they're coming here. Oh, we love the pizza. We mm-hmm. love you know be able to sit here and we we color and we we do this and. Uh, for mom and dad, it's like, oh, this is, uh, yes, maybe the beer and, and stuff is important, but it's, this is a, a place that we can go as a family and, and all be comfortable. And, you know, so like it's, it's fun that as, as things kind of grow and evolve, that that reason why somebody comes here does kind of shift and change. Mm-hmm. Like there, mm-hmm. there are definitely tap rooms that I go to just because my kids like to go there. Yep. Uh, the beer's okay, but I go there because my kids <laughs> like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we're seeing it in spaces too, uh, right? Like you kind of see Element Eatery, you see Factory oh, yeah. 52, right? So, um, again, whether that's centered around beer, but usually, right, it's, there's some like level of adult entertainment. Right. And how do we like build in the kid entertainment as well too? So, right. um, whether that's again, through menus, activations in the tap room, uh, activations in those spaces, whatever it is. But, uh, yeah, I think we're finding more and more like, like we can thread both of those needles. Sure. Uh, only thing left is to install like a little corner where it's like, you know, when you go to Ikea and there's that little room, you just <laughs> drop your kids off while you shower. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> go on guys. Daddy needs a beer. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got some, we got some cool stuff planned for, uh, uh, up in blue ash that I think builds into that a little bit, not necessarily a babysitter, but, uh, but there's some cool stuff for folks. Uh, permanent there. built-in pack and plays where you can just toss your kid in there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Very just all padded. Very, very Everyone in, gets a helmet. A uh, very inside joke from one of the uh, the beer groups about the pack and plays. It's for anybody who knows. <laughs> you know. Uh, let's uh, before we kind of start wrapping things up. I want to uh, help people get to know you a little bit uh, as a craft beer drinker. Um, when did you get into craft beer? What got you into this? Oh man, so I'm originally from Wisconsin. So uh, yeah. New Glarus is there's like a, there's a couple good breweries out there. Yeah, my uh, is my jam. Um, so uh, it, it's like the classic story, right? It's like grew up on Miller Lite, uh, and I mean like literally grew up on Miller Lite, <laughs> and uh, was like, man, what is this cool like this cool bottle with this fun cow on it, uh, and just like a big spotted cow drinker. So right. that's kind of how I got into it. Uh, but really, I've been in restaurants for a long time, so uh, help build some beer lists, things like that. Right, uh, and Matt Drew's, uh right, like. Everyone's always like, I remember on Kennedy Avenue. And then when you built this place, I was like, yeah, like me too. Uh, so uh, I was there. Yeah. Like I, re- I remember how hot and sticky it was in that place. Right. Um, Everybody's nostalgic for it now. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And then uh, just uh, had some contacts at, at Mad Tree and found opportunity here. So super excited to uh, to be here. Uh, when you are, I know you mentioned Safety Falcon. When you are walking into any place, any 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 bar or brewery, how do you? What is the beer you kind of lean towards? What styles do you like? How do you uh, how do you make that choice? Yeah, I'm, I tend to stick more on the lighter side. So uh, I've been like tiptoeing. I've been like a big fan of like this hazy movement over the past whatever year and a half, two years, uh, which is interesting because I'm like normally like legendary right. Safety Falcon. Uh, Mexican lagers, whatever it is. Seeing right? colors is great. I'm I am not a uh, New England IPA drinker typically. Not that I don't like them, but it's, it's not typically it's not what, what I go to. But mm-hmm. every time I pick one of those up, I'm like, man, this is a really really good beer. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's the one that, uh, it's one of the ones that kind of like turned me on to it as well. So right. like when we started making that and they're like, man, there's like, there could be like a brand family here. Like this is a really <laughs> good beer. Um, yes, yeah, so we're excited about that one as well. Uh, but yeah, I, I generally keep it on the lighter side though. I can have a few more. So. Right. Uh, I get that. <laughs> Especially for anybody who, uh, I guess nobody would really know this, uh, is currently noon right now. So I've already been drinking. I've been here and, uh, you know, this is gonna be one of those days where you got to kind of lean a little light. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotta make it through it's a marathon it's a marathon um, how do you kind of uh this is this is kind of really big kind of big picture questions here but uh when you look at cincinnati beer as a whole um leave madry out of it obviously you're a little biased here what are the things that get you excited about cincinnati beer and if you want to throw some in what are the things that kind of you look at like man i, I don't like the way that this is going Ooh, man that's a good question um yeah, I'm just like so experiential. Like I said, I've worked in restaurants for yeah. a long time. So when I see some of the stuff that, uh, like you can kind of name the place, right? I think they're probably bigger players more than smaller ones. But uh, when you see like the parties that Ryan Geist is able to throw, when you see, uh, you know, the igloos on top at uh, Braxton or whatever it may be. I would argue that it's not just the big people. So, uh, and I'll throw, uh, I'd, I'd love to throw them as an example whenever I can. Fibonacci up in Mount Healthy, mm -hmm. if you've never mm -hmm. been there, they have an urban farm. So they have goats and chickens and yeah. a big beer garden. And it's, it's perfect. And they're brewing on a one barrel system, this tiny little neighborhood thing. Yeah. You look at that kind of experience and then you, you can put that right next to one of those right Geist parties where they've got these big installations that they've built and stuff and games and all kinds sure. of fun stuff and those two things can sit side by side and how much i love them and enjoy them it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's fun yeah yeah it's just cool like there's uh it's about like how things are coming to life and like the activations of yeah. it right yeah, yeah uh so i think uh you know not necessarily long gone are the days of walking into like your little neighborhood joint but uh, i think really to compete in this market right you gotta like you, you have to have something like the ghosts right you have right, to have right. something like the big installation uh, you have to have awesome food, whatever it is. So, um, yeah, but I, I, yeah, I don't know. I just like, I love bopping into places. So. I wonder if, and, and I feel this way that as you get these places that are able to kind of figure out those things and there's always something happening and there's, there's some kind of experience around it. If it does kind of open the door then for there to be some places that are just the complete polar sure. opposite of that, like, oh no, we don't do that. We're just... We're a bar. We brew our own beer, but we're, we're just a bar. Man. This is just where you come and you sit and you, you know, bitch about the Bengals or whatever you want to sit and, and bitch about. Yeah. It's just that place where you can kind of uh, get away from all of that other stuff. Like it opens the door for places like that to kind of exist. Yeah. And in the same way that neighborhood bars used to. You know? Yeah. I always joke with our team here. Uh, uh, like we have these like monstrous spaces, right? Like yeah. They're like almost like cavernous. Um, I'm like, man, what if we just did like. Just like, like you said, just like a bar. Like, what about just like a, like a, like I was, five I was, tables and a bar? I was, I was yelling for that for, for years, but when you guys were still at 1.0, yeah. just quietly, that, that would be the perfect little speakeasy to open up and just have just a few tables and, you know, just don't tell anybody it's even open. Just let people kind of figure it out yeah. and let it turn into just a hot, lame speakeasy <laughs> but so awesome it but so just, awesome it would, i i love things like that to kind of coexist with the other side because i mean and part, part of it is that i spend so much time in breweries and at events and things like that like sometimes uh you know i i spend a lot of time in neighborhood bars mm -hmm. because it it kind of shuts off that thing and kind of gives you this other side to kind of balance it out yeah oh yeah. with that uh what's your favorite neighborhood bar Oh man, Do you, uh, you frequent dive bars often? Oh man, I have to say, um, I used to live in East Walnut Hills. Okay, and I lived there for about ten years, 
and you probably know where I'm going with this. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Uh, so O'Brien's has like this like soft spot in my heart. Okay. Like the, the number, well, one, the number of like shark tanks and the number of dollars that I've spent in that place <laughs> uh, over the past, whatever, 12 years since I've lived in Cincinnati uh, is wild. But, uh, you know, what I love about it, it's just like, it's consistent. It's, like, it's you consistent know, comfort. It's like a, like a, like a warm little blanket you can pull over yourself. Yeah, and like, <laughs> like I know exactly what I'm getting. Uh, I know exactly what the service will look like, you know. I know exactly what my total will be. And I like something about that. I like something about that. So yeah, and just, just you got other people from the neighborhood there too. So yeah, that's a, that's a good answer. What's yours? Uh, it's again, it's so weird for me because I spend so much time in different places. And if I'm, if I'm going somewhere, usually uh, I'm trying out a new place or I'm trying to experience something new or find a new, new local bar to write about, uh, for, I live in Fairfield. So, uh, probably, um, uh, there's a place up in Fairfield called the Elbow Room. Okay. Um, uh, that uh, is just located in this little little strip mall. It's been there since 1964, I think, and <laughs> hasn't changed one bit in that time. You walk in, and the bartender waves and grabs me a High Life and grabs me a bag of Fritos, and <laughs> and there you are, <laughs> off to the races. And you're in your happy place. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny the way. That juxtaposition again kind of works with yeah. what you spend most of your time doing, and then what you spend those <laughs> those, those evenings where you just need to shut it down for yep. a little bit. So, yep. uh, thank you very much. I appreciate you sitting down with me. Um, for anybody who uh, wants to know more about the food program, just kind of uh, keep an eye on on Mattery's social media. Keep an eye on my social media. I promise you that when things start happening, you'll uh, be hearing a lot more about it. Um, or just uh, listen to all your friends on Facebook who will probably be either yelling at how wonderful it is or uh, uh, complaining about it <laughs> because it seems like you get a whole lot of opinions mm -hmm. uh, and we will uh, we'll be back next week um, probably I, I don't want to promise that after how things have been in the last uh, uh, last few uh, last few weeks so we'll be back at some point everybody if we, if we don't talk before then uh, happy holidays and uh, uh, go grab a beer somewhere especially especially Madry <laughs> cheers you don't, you don't have anything to cheers with cheers Just thank you, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Cincy Brewcast. Uh, it's the voice of Cincy Craft. Uh, if you like the show and you want to support it, go to the gnarlygnome.com slash support and you can support all of the stuff that I do. Uh, but share it with a friend. That's the best way to do it. Cheers. <laughs>